0: Well, welcome everyone to Lecture Divina this evening. I'm glad to be with everyone here uh, and also with uh, our friends at Edward the Confessor Parish and also St. Joseph the Worker Parish uh, and uh, also those who are joining us uh, through Salt and Light. So let us now uh, enter into a spirit of prayer. And we meditate upon uh, three churches uh, of ancient times which speak very much to us today. Uh, The first is a really troubled church, the second is a really good church, one really doing well, and the third is a really troubled church. So that's the usual mix. There we are. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon us, that we may come more fully to be attentive to your word, that it may enter into our hearts and change our lives, that there may be a pathway to our hearts, that all the sins and the distractions which block that way may be taken away. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Speak, Lord, Your servant is listening. And to the angel of the church of Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the name of being alive. And you are dead. Awake. Strengthen what remains and is on the point of death. For I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. Remember, then, what you received and heard. Keep that and repent. If you will not awake, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who conquers shall be clothed like them in white garments, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one shall shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews but are not, But lie, and behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word of patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial which is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell upon the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown He who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, that I need nothing, not knowing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, that you may be rich, and white garments to clothe you, to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen, and salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and chastise, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him, and he with me. He who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, As I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I think those last words of each of these letters speak to us. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Because so often we don't. We just keep moving along, moving ahead, and are not attentive to the reality of our situation. We need to say, speak Lord, your servant is listening. If we have an ear, let us hear what the spirit is saying to the churches of Sardis and Philadelphia, Laodicea, these churches in ancient Turkey what's now Turkey, ancient province of Asia, all of which are now destroyed by the way their ruins. And the Christians there are a small and persecuted group. All of the Christians there now are persecuted, where once it was a prosperous city and all seemed to be well. And it seems that in two at least of these churches, Sardis and Laodicea, not only the whole community but the Christian community, was rather self-confident, wealthy, wealthy, and feeling that everything was just just going along, he who has an ear, let us let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I think we have to think about that. I've been thinking about this a little earlier today when I read a. I was reading a passage about the church around the world. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. We must repent. We must be aware that external prominence, wealth, and things like that have no bearing whatsoever on closeness to God. In fact, it's an impediment, can be an impediment. Whereas often those who are suffering most, and we think particularly, just think now, for two weeks in a row, our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka have had mass cancel because they are in imminent danger of being murdered for Christ. We should think about that. That should wake us up. He who has an ear, let him hear what is happening in the world. And let us never become complacent. So Sardis was the first church. Sardis was wealthy. It's where Croesus was. You know, made turn everything to gold and all that. It was invulnerable, they thought. Yet on a couple of occasions in its history, the guards were asleep. And the enemy got into the invulnerable place. Sort of like the unsinkable Titanic. Uh, it wasn't in very good shape, we can see. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. All of these letters, of course, begin with a piece taken from the image of the risen Lord found in chapter 1. So that's almost like the signature placed into each of these letters. And it is this is the risen Lord, here we are before the resurrection candle. It is the risen Lord speaking to his people in these seven churches. Now we know a lot of other churches in the province of Asia like Colossae and places like that. But these were seven means fullness. They're meant to be typical of all the churches, including typical of the church here. And so the angel of the church of Sardis write to the church in its fullness before God. The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, the fullness of the spirits of God, the fullness of the universe. He has the whole world in his hands. In other words, our risen savior who appears in glory in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. That's one reason why I love the book of Revelation. It begins with this glorious image of our risen Lord. And then down to business in chapter two and three, where the Lord walks among the seven lampstands and begins to check to see how they're doing. I know your works. You have the name of being alive and you are dead. You have the name of being alive. All is well, just ticking along there, just perfect. And you are dead. That's a very powerful line word from the Lord, the risen Savior. I know your works. How often do we have the name of being alive? The appearance, the superficial view. But you are dead. We think of some of the big structures of the church and think of parts of the universal church where these enormous apparatuses, just huge physical presence. And yet you are dead. I think about that a lot because that can happen to anyone, unless we listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It has happened. All of these seven churches are ruins now, all of them. Now that was caused partly by the violence of the invasion of the, that uh, took over the country in Turkey basically in period around six, seven, eight hundreds and a bit later but partly too I think because of their own internal failures. So let's just think in our own personal lives, our parish, maybe our, our diocese and the universal church. Am I alive or am I dead? Do I look like I'm alive or am I dead? And maybe let's look at the church. I always hate to think that it's my sense sometimes in the universal church, the parts of the church that are rich and have a big apparatus seem to have sometimes a lot of influence, whereas the parts of the church that are struggling and poor but vitally alive don't. That is really unfortunate. So let's just ask ourselves, am I alive in Christ? Or do I just look like I'm alive? Awake, strengthen what remains, it is on the point of death. For I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep that and repent. So there's still something there. Even though the church of Sardis is sort of hollowed out and looks better than it really is, there is something there. There's a flicker, there's a flame, there's something in the ashes that's there something that can be worked with, like a thread to pull across a chasm to produce a bridge at the end of it eventually. Something there. So remember what you received and heard, the word of life that gives life, the Eucharist, the sacraments. This, Sardis is sort of on life support. It's something, they're doing the you know CPR on Sardis. But there's something there. It isn't dead yet. And there's some spark of life in there. And that is always true. This is what the joy of the great missionaries is, and the, the new evangelization that Pope John Paul especially talked about. Let's get out here to Sardis International and look at the places where we need to have a new missionary spirit. That's something found, for example, in the neocatechumenal way, which is a movement and a, a reality within the church which seeks to bring that life oft times where there is uh, where it seems to be flickering awake strengthen what remains is on the point of death for i have not found your works perfect in the sight of my god remember then what you received and heard keep that and repent so what are the things in the life of each of us that we have received and heard that may be covered over with a crust that is killing them. What are the things deep within my own, my own heart, or what are things in my own personal life, not thinking only of my parish, the diocese, of the universal church, that are sources of life in Christ that can allow me to be restarted by God's grace if I have become very, very much on the point of death. Let's pray the Lord to give us strength. to be alive truly and to nurture those things which are within us from God. If you will not awake, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. And that's what happened in the history of Sardis that a couple of times have been, <laughs> the guards were asleep. They weren't awake and they, the whole invulnerable city was conquered. And think how often our Lord says that. The Lord comes like a thief in the night. Think how often in the Book of Revelation we hear, "I am coming soon." For some of them, it was tomorrow afternoon in the arena, when they would die for Christ. Keep awake. We do not know. As somebody once said at a talk I was just a while ago, none of us is promised tomorrow. None of us. So be awake, alert. Think of again our our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka think of the little children approaching to receive their first Holy Communion who instead received the beatific vision. At least that's a thought that centered my mind. I don't know how theologically correct it is, but I think it's real. The fact is, these people were not thinking of what was going to happen. None of us is. And yet, there we are. So that's the sacrament of the present moment that de Cossade speaks about in his book, the sacrament of the present moment. That is living each day, one day at a time, that the descendants of Jean-Baptiste de in the Alcoholics Anonymous movement, very wisely put together. Keep awake, one day at a time, the Lord comes. I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. And so, it's a severe rebuke, which our loving Savior, risen in glory, gives to Sardis. This is no plastic Jesus, the kind we create, out of our own whims and fancies, domesticated, put in a little cage, maybe on a shelf in popular Christianity, you do not cage the Lion of Judah. And here he is roaring. And so he has been severe. And as he often does, for example, in uh, the letter to Ephesus, yet, we always look for the words like that, yet, there's another direction. You have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who conquers shall be clothed like them in white garments. I will not blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Garments in the book of Revelation and in the Bible generally means our behavior, our, our conduct, our self. To wash your robes white in the blood of the lamb, it says in another part of, of um, the book of Revelation. And, you know, our custom we have, it goes back, we have the newly baptized, they put on white garments, fresh and new, totally at peace with God. And yet we soil our white garments when we sin, and, or we don't have anything to show for We see the next letter, or two letters down. Um, so we must, we will walk into the heavenly city, Jerusalem, clothed in the white garments of glory, our baptismal robes, but keep them from being soiled and don't throw them away. That's the message. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So now I think we're ready for a more benign or more pleasant, a more positive encounter with one of the churches. And that we find in Philadelphia, not the Philadelphia in Pennsylvania, but Philadelphia in Asia Minor in what's now Turkey. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one shall shut, who shuts and no one shall open. This is a part of the reality of God, like the bronze feet we see in the image of the Lord, strong. He opens, he closes the power of the keys. There is something ultimately in life where we look to in those we trust and what we look to ultimately in God in whom we put our trust, is solidity, clarity, firmness, reliability, trust. He opens and he closes. The words of the Holy One, the true one, not a a fraud or something, but the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one shall shut, who closes, shuts, and no one opens. That's the image of That's the dimension of our risen Savior, which is given to these good people in Philadelphia. Fear not. He who has the key of history is with you in your struggles, because they are struggling. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. Their works, in other words, love, faith, hope, and love, their works are works of love. Remember to Ephesus, he said, you're totally orthodox, but you don't have love anymore. To him, these people of Philadelphia, he is saying, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. The door to paradise. But later on in the apocalypse, the open, the doors of the heavenly Jerusalem, we'll see next month in the end of the apocalypse, are open you can walk in as long as you're wearing white robes and if not soiled your garments and turned away from the invitation of the lord who opens the door i know you have but little power and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name They're not powerful like Sardis or Laodicea or the other places. But yet you have kept my word. He keeps his word come what may. That's honor, fidelity. That's infinitely more important than the the glitter and the surface stuff where a church might look sparkling Alive but be dead, within busy, busy, but nothing there. You know they call it the, uh, what the the heresy of good works or of busyness, and you know we're busy, busy, the wind, the wheels spinning all the time and going nowhere. So sort of like the car lifted off spinning but not actually moving. that kind of thing, well, that's not with these people. they are solid. But they do have in that town, of Philadelphia, there appeared to be a, a synagogue, a Jewish synagogue. Many, most, many of these would have been uh, formerly Jewish. Some would be Gentiles. Uh, but it seems that they were facing a difficulty from what the Lord, in the, this Revelation of St. John, is not um, bland in what he says I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, they are not truly what they should be. They are not, uh, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and learn that I have loved you. It is fidelity because you have kept my word of patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial, which is coming on the whole world, to try those who dwell upon the earth. That matters so much, to be faithful to the word of the great amen. The great Lord who says yes. Patient endurance is important. Glittery things are not. So we always have to go deep whenever we're looking at our own life in Christ or our parish or our diocese or the universal church. Busy, busy doesn't cut it. We've got to go deep. Just spinning around isn't enough gets an award and an open door to the heavenly Jerusalem is patient endurance and the solid virtue of fidelity. Because you have kept my word of patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial, which is coming on the whole world, to try those who dwell upon the earth. Let's just ask the Lord to help us see within our own hearts how often we've gone after the glitter and the, the jingle and the, the you know, the, the silly stuff. How often have we wasted our time, for example, on things that are not this kind of thing, but are just glittering and uh, insubstantial, ephemeral, nothing. How often? Let's ask the Lord's forgiveness for the times we have gone superficial, have not gone to the depths that the good people, struggling, poor people of Philadelphia have done. May the Lord forgive us that and help us to become more like them, not like the people of Sardis. And to wake us up, as he says throughout this book and in the Gospels, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. Now that's not uh, an invitation for people to start predicting the Lord will come on this or that day because my plan says that's when he's coming. No, it's a reminder, he's coming soon. To the whole world, we don't know, The, the Lord knows, only the heavenly Father knows the day or the hour. But to you or me, we do not know, and he's coming soon. He's certainly not coming in 200 years, he's coming soon. like. We're not guaranteed. There's a very wise man gave a talk I listened to a few weeks ago. No one's guaranteed tomorrow. No one. So let's live for this day, ready to meet the Lord. My bags are packed, I'm ready to go. And then do it again until we die, whenever that is. You can't beat that for a way of living, keeping in mind the Lord says I'm coming soon. You know that thing I've mentioned before, They'll sign a lot of uh, sacristies, priest of God, celebrate this mass as if it were your first mass, as if it were your last mass, as if it were your only mass. So Christian, live this day as if it were your first day, as if it were your last day, as if it were your only day. That will keep us awake and headed for the heavenly city. I'm coming soon, hold fast to what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. He who conquers, I will make him a pillar of the temple of my God, never shall he go out of it. And I'll write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name, he who is Lord of all. There's a little thing that might be an historical thing, that's sort of interesting. Philadelphia kept being knocked over by earthquakes. You get a lot of earthquakes there. So he might also be saying, and for a year from Philadelphia in in Asia Minor, you won't have to run outside anymore. That may have been a local element there. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And now we end off with the message to Laodicea, which has given us one of the most famous paintings in the world, a very famous one, from the letter to Laodicea by Holman Hunt. I don't say it's one of the greatest paintings of the world, but it's one of the most famous paintings. And here we are. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Again, solidity, fidelity, the Amen. Yes. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. This was a problem, by the way, in Laodicea. They got their water supply from a hot spring some distance away. By the time it got to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. So he's using a local fact they faced to speak of a deeper fact. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Oh, my. Oh, my. There we are. I'm going to vomit you out. That's what the Lord says to the people who are neither cold nor hot but are just sort of floating along, you know, doing a little bit, being kind of Christian on the surface but not really much more, you know. That should strike to our hearts. Say, Lord, forgive us the times we have been neither cold nor hot but... Lukewarm. Would we die for Christ? Are we living for Christ? Or are we just lukewarm? Settled in a rut, humming along, going with the stream, other ways of looking at it. The fire has gone out, but not quite extinguished, sort of like Sardis. You are neither cold nor hot, you're just lukewarm. And to them, to us, he says, if we're like that, I will spit you out, spew you out. May God forgive us if we're like that. And I guess we all are a bit as the years go by. Well, even before the years go by, but I mean, it can happen. You can get into a rut. Uh, You have to be fresh every day. The only way. Uh, the other way is there's literally no future in it cold or hot and then they also they were a very wealthy place they made eye ointment which I'm thinking a lot these days because i got to put some kind of stuff in my eyes <laughs> eye ointment they had clothing they had very fancy clothing industry I mean they were rich rolling in cash sort of like our country although not every individual in our country for you say i am rich i have prospered i need nothing that's a problem if we whatever our bank account is that's not the point so much if we say i need nothing i am autonomous i have got it under control me i did it my way I need nothing. I don't need you and I don't need God. I need nothing. That's the heart of the problem. It's not, the, some very wealthy people are not like that and some very poor people are like that. So the point is not the numbers and the how many zeros after the numbers of the bank account. It's that attitude which says, I need nothing. I don't need other people. And also of course, as our society sort of sails along, Icebergs? Icebergs? Who said there were icebergs? Cruising through the ocean? I need nothing. But we have to come up against something we can't control. There's a wonderful homily given by Archbishop Ganswain, uh, who was the assistant to both Pope Benedict and also Pope Francis. Uh, he, gave a, he ordained some uh, monks in Germany uh, recently, just a few days ago actually, and I read a summary of his homily. It's based on a famous story. That I've heard many times. It's actually, a little, a little uh, one-minute commercial made out of it, where this mighty battleship is roaring through the seas, and and they say, uh, you know, it sees a, another ship ahead. It sees a light ahead, something out ahead there, and the battleship says, "Turn 15 degrees to the north. You're in my way." And the ba- the, the voice comes back over the intercom, the radio. You turn 15 degrees to the south. What? And the, the man the says, I am an admiral. And from the other voice you hear the thing, I'm a lieutenant. Turn. I am a battleship. And the next voice is, I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> so <laughs> the point is, this idea that I'm in control, blast the way, I'm coming through. We've got to get rid of that. And Archbishop Ganshwan says, you priests, he's ordaining priests. And may, I now have I ruined it for the ordination on Saturday? I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> but he said, very good point. He says, you priests are meant to be lighthouses. Don't worry about big people bustling their way through. No, just speak the truth. Be a light, be a light, and be a rock. That's what you're called to be. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not knowing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. It doesn't say here that the Lord added to that, have a nice day. This is the Lord speaking the truth, the surgeon's scalpel that cuts to heal. Therefore, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire that you may be rich, white garments to clothe you, to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen, and salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and chastise. So be zealous and repent. He's not saying all this to put them down. He's trying to call them to new life. That's the thing we got now. You know, people get all very offended if you say anything that doesn't make them happy, or doesn't doesn't fit with what makes them kind of whatever happy or pleased or you know, they get offended or something. Well, what's the point of that? He's trying to bring them to new life. And it's, uh, I, this is not in the book of Revelation, but I remember saying if somebody, if you're driving down the road and get onto an off-ramp, I actually saw someone almost do this yesterday. On, you start driving down, what's well, an on-ramp, but you're going down thinking it's an off-ramp for the 401. Um, and and someone says, stop, stop, stop you may think, that's not a very friendly person and someone says, oh, come on this way my friend, my friend, come this way you see, that's a really friendly person but the second one's going to kill you the first one's going to save you this is the word of the Lord we need it in our hearts all this politically correct stuff it's killing people it's destroying our hearts and destroying our lives so many people are suffering in the sweet poison sweet poison this is not sweet poison this is the truth therefore i counsel you to buy for me gold refined by fire that you may be rich white garments to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen salve to anoint your eyes that you may see those whom i love I reprove and chastise, so be zealous. Repent. Behold, and here is the famous thing. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. It's an invitation. And in the famous painting by Holman Hunt, you know, the knocking on the door, there's no handle on the outside. It has to be opened from the inside, which is exactly what this says. I stand at the door knocking. Open the door. I want to come in and eat with you, obviously, in the Holy Eucharist. I want to eat with you and you with me. This is an invitation to life. But it's not sweet poison. It's an invitation to life. It would not be allowed in several parts of our culture. He who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne that I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. We need this. We need to read the gospels, the word of God, which cuts like a two-edged sword. There's no future in illusion. No future at all. You know, blanket over the windshield, driving down the 401, awfully cozy, but dangerous. And our society, I think so often does that. It insists on blankets on the windshield. Don't want people to see what's really out there. You don't want a doctor to say, hey, you're just fine when you've got cancer. You want someone to say what is there. What is it? Was it Churchill or somebody said the truth? is mocked, the truth is ignored, the truth is laughed at, but in the end there it is there it is in reality, bats last, that's not from Churchill so we got to get our heads screwed on the right way and then we'll be fine we'll be making our way through this valley of tears, heading home to the new Jerusalem may the Lord guide us in that The angel of the church in Sardis write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the name of being alive, and you are dead, awake. Strengthen what remains and is on the point of death, for I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep that and repent. If you will not awake, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who conquers shall be clothed like them in white garments, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one shall shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, and no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews but are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word of patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial, which is coming on the whole world, to try those who dwell upon the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. He who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered. I need nothing, not knowing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore I counsel you to buy from me the gold refined by fire, that you may be rich, and white garments to clothe you, to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and chastise, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. He who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.